you know, we could probably say at some point to each other and to the audience that it's pretty cool that we made it to 40 episodes. I think that's absolutely appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> if we were, you know, serious about making a, a podcast or whatever. <laughs> Might be good to point out that we've made it Three. to 40 episodes. That's probably the intro. Beautiful. This is called 50 million buckaroos. This is Chris. I couldn't talk to my phone to make my lights turn purple. Logitech. Computer was a gateway. You know, we all want the internet to exist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. So it's cool. Cool. This is Shiny Podcast. Following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in space gaming and technology. So this is Shiny Podcast. Uh, normally, <clears throat> we, uh, we, we, we try to find some really interesting news articles, tech news, stuff that we found shiny and interesting. Uh, straight up, I kind of came up short this week. <laughs> and to be super honest, I have been so neck deep in work <laughs> this week. And a little bit of last that I have not come out of the rabbit hole. <laughs> so I think this I think this week we're I don't know. I think we're just going to I think we're just going to talk. And if you want to listen to a couple friends just talk about whatever they want to talk about, then this is the episode for you. Hashtag no plans. <laughs> Hashtag no filter. We're going to say stuff that you've never heard us say before. like. Quagmire. Like, I've only just started watching Battlestar Galactica. Are you serious? <laughs> wait, 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 what? Oh, God, dude, come, this is perfect. First pitch and a home run. So, I think that's how that works, right? Yeah, sure. You, you pitch in <laughs> baseball. Yeah, baseball, sports. So, you've only just started. I, I assume you're talking about, like, was it the 04 reboot? Yes, uh huh. Oh. Wow. Oh, wow. Colin. Wow. Yeah, so I just started watching, or just finished uh, the first season. I think I'm a couple episodes into the second at this point. Oh, oh my God. I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> I love that. I love, oh, dude, it's it's one of my favorites. I'm so excited to hear you're, you're, you're watching that. That's great. Yeah, it's That's it's great. It's one of those it's one of those those I feel like kind of iconic sci-fi pieces of media that I I I just didn't get exposure to when it was on and over time I mean every every all of my friends are like, "Dude, you have to watch that show." And it's I just I don't know, it just never happened and so finally it popped up on Hulu and I was like, "Oh, uh, I guess it's a good, good a time as any to start watching. So, oh, that's it magnificent. Is. So, do you have any thoughts? I mean, you know, you're what twenty five percent of the way through or so. So that's that's a significant chunk of of time invested into, sure. into the story. You know, it's it's uh, what do you what do you got? What do you like? How do you feel? Sure. Do Do you mean what do I think is going on, or more what do I think of the show? 
Uh, start with the last one and, and okay. you know, without being too spoilerific for sure. those. Although it has been... It's 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's, you know... That's a while. Um, no, I won't spoil anything for anybody. Uh, but... Um, and I don't think there have been any huge revelations yet. Nothing that, I don't know, nothing that, whatever. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, I have to get used to the, the camera style. That's the only thing about the show that bothers me a little bit, just because I don't really like that style of filming, the kind of, you've ever seen 24, that kind of, you know, the oh, camera yeah. is always moving and always oh, yeah. like, you know, action shots and, and whatnot. And I don't hate it. It's just, it's not my favorite. Um, that is literally my only critique though. Um, oh, well, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on the whole frack. So in the universe, the, 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 the curse word fuck has been replaced with frack. Um, and for at least a couple of episodes, I was like, man, like, <laughs> like, this isn't airing live. Wow. Why are they still censoring? Like, and then what a weird, like, it's like, it's being used everywhere. What is going on? And then it, it took way longer than I think I, I really want to admit, uh, for me to realize, um, that that was a deliberate writing choice. Oh yeah. That's, that's the immersion. So say we all So say we all. (laughs) So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun so far. Um, uh I don't know. I don't know how much I want to talk about without like I don't know. We can ch- we can dive in a little bit. Like give people like we can give give our dear listeners if you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, really, you you probably should get around to it. We're not going to spoil you can't spoil everything. You can't even spoil like a little bit in the first season to be super honest no i mean yeah it's really just it i mean obviously it's just setting everything up for what seems to be coming so basically the 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 most recent big hold on let's set it up for those that don't know like okay you're right i'm sorry thank you the story of of uh, is of a fleet of refugee humans that have been left homeless because these robot creature aliens, the Cylons, have completely and utterly destroyed the solar system that they come from. And the fleet that has assembled are the ships that were in space during the attack. They, they On the planets, yeah. Completely devastating nuclear attacks on each and every planet. There were 12 planets, right? Correct. Yeah. 12 colonies in this solar system. And there's this whole universe of their own lore and history that goes into why there are human beings living across 12 planets in the same solar system. It's really cool. So the fleet is all is all like you know together they they leave and they try to escape the cylons and that's kind of like how the show sets up yeah yeah and and so you know a fair amount is happening i mean they're also trying to maintain like a government and a president and which 
you know, there's there's the kind of military, you know, versus civilian, you know, internal conflicts as well. Like, it's not just about the battle against the Cylons, which, I mean, feels like a fair amount to tackle. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like. And it does happen briefly uh, where the military declares martial law, but I feel like that would have happened immediately in any actual um, situation like this. But um, yeah, so they're they're fighting for survival. And uh, one of the characters, um, you know, again, th these are major spoilers. So if you don't want to hear this, tune out. Um, one of the major characters uh, w was the one who allowed the Cylons to gain access to the defense grid. Um, and so he has somehow has some major connection with, uh, a Cylon that have, um, uh, 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 form of the Cylons that have, uh, have the ability to look and feel like humans, um, which is a problem. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, the third uh, models, right? Yeah, and so anyway, the 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 most the biggest reveal that I've seen so far was that um, a baby has been born that is presumably part actual human and part Cylon. Damn. So I'm assuming that that's incredibly significant and maybe a big, you know, a big indication of what the Cylons are looking to do, but. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at. Wow. Oh my god, I'm so excited to hear what you what you think. This 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 show, I will say gets pretty dark. And there are times where it's like the like the the sort of driving force of the show kind of feels like, well, god damn, that last episode was rough. They couldn't possibly get any worse and then that continues for like 25 episodes. <laughs> uh, right on. I believe it. Um, and that's part of the charm, I think. But it sure. Is, I remember Shannon and I had to take some time off a couple of times because <laughs> it was like, a real downer. Fuck, man. <laughs> bleak outlook for these yeah, refugee humans. Oh, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. If you can stick in it with the long haul and i mean like most episodes are pretty good even you know like individually not every single one but a lot of them stand on their own right definitely oh yeah for sure damn yeah the uh the the end of that show is extremely controversial like people love it and hate it and it's just i find it fascinating right on it's kind of right like on. the end of sopranos in that way word Chris, I haven't watched that series either. <laughs> oh, snap, dude. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it's okay. There's always another winter. <laughs> put it put it on the list for next winter. There are plenty of shows, amazing shows that I have seen. It's just these it's just these few, you know, <laughs> it's like these few like kind of really defining, yeah, important yeah. defining. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've seen you've seen Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Hell yes. Which I, probably people are, are snickering at right now. But I honestly think that DS9 is an extremely important 
uh, step in in television absolutely you know, history, as well as Babylon Five, which you know, funny thing, there's a little you know sibling rivalry there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, um, no, DS Nine is 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 amazing. That that is still probably my favorite Star Trek TV series. Agreed. I think it's it's what it's like. Next Generation is my personal favorite simply because it, it, you know, it just I grew up with it. It was like part of my family. You mm. know, we watched it all the time. So yeah. it just I can't help but hold this special place in my heart. And Deep Space Nine was this thing that I was because of network television buffoonery. Was not able to watch. Sure. Until. You know somewhat later like i had seen most of it on remember vhs tapes yeah <laughs> uncle charlie used to uh record deep space nine every week and had an archive of most of the series and that's how i <laughs> plowed through it <laughs> you know when i when, when he came and hang out, uh, hung out he'd bring the tapes we'd watch star trek it was pretty glorious vhs vhs what is vhs Really? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I was like, come on, dude, come on. you're old. What? <laughs> predecessor, a predecessor of laser discs. <laughs> and also Colin, a, please. <laughs> also a became uh, after laser discs. So should have been no, a better word. I still have um that the old um Family Home Entertainment Ninja Turtle uh, cartoon on VHS, although the film is starting to degrade. <laughs> the oh, the yeah. colors are whack <laughs> if you watch them now. <laughs> yeah, that's the, I know we have to, we should like, you know, there's a bunch of old family videos I need to archive or else they're going to. Oh, those like two. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not all of them, perhaps. Maybe leave a couple no. on the floor. <laughs> no. A couple of those can decidedly, yes, be be burned and never seen again. I was an or ornery kid, folks. <laughs> Start there. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. So I don't know if, if, if you, know, you, you mentioned you've kind of had you know, kind of been bogged down working at stuff at work, but it sounds pretty cool. I didn't know if you actually wanted to talk about it, but, um, you know, bogged down is, is maybe not the right word. Like, okay. like yeah. heads down. Okay. It's, Sorry. it's been, yeah. well, no, that's, that's kind of fair because it is, it is, you know, I think anyone who does, you know, deep flow work, like, you know, when you're, anchor to solving like a particular problem or whatever for an, a, a length of time. I think that 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 is a you're in the weeds. You know what I mean? When you're when you're deep in it, it can definitely be a bogged down feeling. Uh, the reward, however, when something goes right is what is what I think uh, needs a little more focus because uh -huh. the results of the last couple of weeks have been a real success story for the type of uh, work that I do. Word. So, uh, where should we start with that? 
Help me out here, buddy. <laughs> My brain is also a little, uh, shall we say, bogged down and frizzle fried after like being in the weeds so much this week. Word. Word. So so you are working on some development and you are working with uh, 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 this this. I just read about it today. <laughs> something called Docker. I don't know if it's a uh, uh, something you install or if it's um, uh, uh, you know program that you download or I, I, I'm not sure, um, but it sounds like it's an interesting way to containerize um and have those containers uh you know allow those containers to kind of work with each other and talk to each other sharing resources in order to um develop and run an application yeah that's pretty pretty that pretty much nailed it right there (laughs) that's pretty good so yeah we make applications that run on the web like we make uh, web apps and my job is kind of to, it's not kind of, it's definitely and affirmatively to help support those applications as they are used and deployed on the internet. Okay. So as there's, as people interact with them, use the apps, enjoy them, I hope, um, they need to be somewhere. They need to be on you know on a on a server on the internet right and that server needs to be taken care of it needs to be patched it needs to be secure it needs to work correctly and be tuned and you mean you don't want just anybody walking <laughs> walking in and grabbing your your source code yeah that's a bad thing and it's and not only the source code, but the machine itself, you know, to oh, be yeah. able to. Yeah, because you, you probably know. don't have just one app running on that machine, I would imagine. No, it's usually, you know, uh, 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 a series of small apps working together to create, you know, something or um, perhaps like, you know, a couple different mach- a couple different servers that work in tandem to perform a task, mm-hmm. you know. So think of. Think of um, the vastness of the internet. I should actually go. At some point, I will pull the login attempt, uh, the auth logs, <laughs> authorization logs, from some of my longer deployed servers on the internet. And it's some, it's, sometimes it's really hysterical to see how frequently once a a server has been deployed on the internet let's say you know it's a website or a web application or whatever it's so funny to see how quickly you are just under assault by people trying to log into that server and they're just like throwing ra- like random name and password combinations at you and it's so funny I don't actually have passwords. You can't log into my server with passwords, by the way. (laughs) So I imagine you're using SSH keys, right? That is correct. Yes, that is correct. And everybody else should as well for pretty much everything. Yeah. But um, no, exactly. We're using cryptographic keys that cannot, 
you can't gain access unless there you 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 have set up this relationship specifically between a computer and a server like your computer and a server yeah so um anyway it'd be really funny to see though because like you see all of the random like compute like not computer generated usernames but just like you know there's root represented many many times root failed root couldn't log in because it didn't have a password failed over and over and over again but then there's other things like you'll see like people's names you'll see you know uh funny like like they try to like index a database of you know the million most common usernames and just like spray the million most common <laughs> passwords at it you know it's like a, there's so many bots on the internet that are just like constantly churning trying to find weak servers low hanging fruit that they can like log into and escalate you know that's all they're doing there are right. tons of them tons of them thousands and thousands and thousands and there's things you can do to protect yourself but it's like I, I still like to keep those logs al- uh, around, even though they, they kind of grow in size, just to have <laughs> a record of being able to see, like, where's this coming from? Where is this point, this IP address? Because I log, you know, you log the name that they tried to log in with and the IP address that they were coming from. Do you see any so, patterns there? Um, To the sort, I mean, sort of. I mean, there's a lot of, like, a lot of those IP addresses are from inside the United States. A lot of them are from outside of the United States. A lot of them are from China. Some are from Russia. Some are from, but they're from everywhere. And I mean, it's a good bet that most of them are routed through VPNs and other, you know, systems. But, um, no, not, not in so much as there's anything specific that stands out, but that's an interesting thing too, because, you know, the more I can kind of look at those and and just sort of think about them and, and think about the patterns that are there, a deviation will maybe become clearer. Sure. Uh, more, you know, sooner than it might otherwise. Right on. You know? Cool. Yeah. So we got off the rails there a little bit, <laughs> but that's kind of like, that's kind of in, in, in a, in a broad stroke, what, what I, what I do for a job. So the, <laughs> My job is like to work directly with the real developers and come up with ways that those systems can, you know, th- th- those applications that we make can actually be used and be on the internet and be safe. And a lot of times what that means is that we end up going, like, I don't actually like go down to a data, data center anymore, you know, and like just mm-hmm. set up huge racks of stuff like that. You can do that, but that's super expensive, you know, and it's kind of a pain in the butt because it's far away. And yeah, it's, it's like actually if you have to work on something. It's like, uh, like if it's, if, I don't know, if something goes, goes actually one in the wrong. Morning. Yeah, like you have to go physically do that. And there's definitely been systems I have to do that with sometimes. But there's a real nicety in being able to, like, kind of pay somebody else to take care of a certain level of hard work sure. for you. Right. Yes. <laughs> So usually you go with a service, a a service that lets you run your application on the Internet. And there's all sorts of levels of how much uh, they abstract away the everything below the application. And by that, I mean, you know, some you actually call up and you rent like space in a data center and they plug in wires for you and you ship them a hard drive and they plug it into this big, big, nasty thing, you know, and they. 
you know, help you get it all set up. And then they give you a, you know, a login to that and you set, you know, that up and that whole thing. And it's entirely possible without you needing to physically go there. But that's, you know, that's not something you're going to do 10 or, you know, in, in my case, sometimes like a hundred times a day, you know what I mean? Yeah. So (laughs) what the answer is, is something called a VPS or a virtual private server. And some of the big ones are Amazon AWS. They, they have, they do this thing for you or, um, digital ocean, which is my personal favorite or, or Microsoft Azure Mm -hmm. or Google cloud platform. These are all things that just give you all of these services that you can run your application in. Okay. Trying not to get, too off topic here but it's so (laughs) well there's a there's it's it's a complicated thing (laughs) there's a lot of you know there's there's a lot there i mean it's 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 hard text feels like key right? exactly it's hard to talk about one thing without talking about the the hundred other things that need to be in place in order to talk about that one thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah totally Totally. So so bear with me, friends, as I tr- do my darndest to to set up what it, what Docker is and why it, it's such a success story <laughs> with with the context of what we're actually trying to accomplish. Right. Anyway, long story short, there are companies that sell you varying levels of of services to run your applications on. Some of them are really easy for a developer to just like push their code to, and it handles all of these background machinations, right? Mm-hmm. Like you write code, you push the code, the code is accepted by this system that they set up. The application is like the type of code that you've written, whether it's like Node or PHP or Python or whatever. Like it's detected, it the, the application is built according to the rules that you've set. It is then deployed to a very modern, um, like like management system where, uh, as people use your application more, it scales up how much compute that you use, like how much resources you use and thus have to pay for Mm -hmm. for you. Um, It's really quite, those kinds of systems are really quite slick, right? That's another thing Amazon web services can do. I mean, they all can, but anyway, but this comes with a problem. Okay. This comes with a problem. What's the problem? Because there are so many, platforms and ways and 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 like systems that you can use to deploy your application whatever it is there's so many different environments in which your application will run okay there are so many right like from like the ground up it like to the computer that the developer his or herself is working on to to make the application to like, it has to run on, on that to maybe a like bigger server for, or, or other person's computer across the way, like across the hall or something that you share all the way up to like 
the server that it's deployed to on the internet that other people are are banging on and you can choose what that is all over the place right like that has to be somewhat standardized otherwise mm-hmm. it becomes this like how do you get it to work on this version of that version of that right and so what most people like see when they say i want to go build a website instead of this entire crazy process is something like wix or squarespace or like your you know a, a, a website builder drag and drop kind of thing mm-hmm. Because there's just this huge layer of of management of, you know, what we call the stack, right? This like every every bit of of chain, every little piece along the way that goes from code written by developer to human being actually using the thing that they make. So many steps along the way, so many steps, so many potential ways that something can can be configured, be be you know, hooked together to, to, you know, perform this one task. And that becomes extremely challenging in its own right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of opportunities for one of those hooks to not be working so well. Totally. It's a, it's mousetrap. <laughs> it's always mousetrap. It's mousetrap and there's cheese somewhere. <laughs> we think. I certainly hope so. Uh, so what Docker is. What Docker does, what containerization is and does, is it says, it'll, it gives you a little box, basically. It gives you a box into which you place these, if I say an image, does that make sense? You know, like when you like take an image of your hard drive or you take an mm-hmm. image of your thumb drive, right? It's an image of the system, the stack, every slice, every link in the chain that you need for your application to run, you get to bundle it all together and put it in this little tiny box that can be sent to a server and run without the need to manage everything else. It can just run with basically like Basically, on every single Linux that exists, it can just run, and that's it. On every like platform that like offers compatibility, it can just run, and that's it. There's no hooking up where random bits and like you know configuring this that. You take your application, you take you know the code you write and the database that it needs, and some dependencies a couple libraries that give you extra functionality inside the application right you put it all together and that is a container Uh. (laughs) now the real the real mccoy though the thing that is really super slick about about this process of stacking up your your application like that is that you're able to then tie it to the processes that are running on the computer. So, Colin, what do, how many cores does that big, beefy AMD machine that you're rocking these days have? Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember Got now. Eight, I think. <laughs> no, eight physical cores. Yes. And 16. Correct. Yeah, that's right. V- virtual cores. Okay. It's like, where's the box? So, if you have 
16 cores. This is, I'm going to like super abstract this, but this will kind of give you an idea, right? If you have 16 cores, with containers, you can spawn an, a process, or, or sorry, you can spawn a container and hook it to a process and scale that up or down. So across your 16 cores, you can just very easily say, I want to run this application, but I only want to give it four cores. Gotcha. So you don't have to you don't have to use up so much system resources in order to run the container. That's right. And because of the way that the container is is engineered, it can it can the it can it can uh intermingle with your system without ever touching it. This is a really interesting concept. You've given it everything that it needs to run inside of its sli- little slice of the system, right? Mm-hmm. But but the container is smart enough to be able to share the resources in the system, in the rest of the machine, with, without it, without it, let like actually reaching out and 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 touching it, right? right like on. it can use the network. It can use the you know can get on the internet without necessarily having anything to do with the processes on your computer that get you onto the network, right? Got it. They remain completely independent while being able to share the back end that, that, you know, does the hard work. Cool. And this is why it's, this is why they're so lean to run. This is why they're kind of, you know, leaner to run than a virtual machine. I was just about to say, because with a virtual machine, it, it, yeah, it, it's much more resource heavy to run. And that's because you are virtualizing. You're, you, you are imaging an entire computer, right. every, like, every bit of it. You can't share those resources, so there's way more overhead. That's why containers are seen as a solution for many things. It, it frees up resources so you can get greater density of compute on the hardware that you already have. Like your computer can now do more, more computing of the application that you have written because it is because it is is you know sharing those those back res- mm-hmm. those back end resources you know your network and your you know the the however many processes on your on your CPU you've given it and mm-hmm. however much ram you've given it right right but then you scale that up and down depending on need you replicate those containers across processes and suddenly you can like have over like in a, in a second this hugely more powerful version of your application so that it can take that many more requests across the internet from people all over the world. You can then do funny things like take that container and set them up on servers in, say, New York and maybe San Francisco, and then maybe... If you have European customers, you might put one in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, and they can all talk to a single database to share their information, you know, your user accounts, what messages people have sent, things like that. Mm-hmm. They can all share a central database, but the, the, the application itself can be running close to where people are using it in specific locations all over the globe and you can be assured because you have this container 
you can be assured that it's going to work the same way every single time, all over the place, because you control the slice that you have to make your application work. Very cool. Right on. And, and that's called Docker. It's <laughs> called Docker. <laughs> yeah, that's like the product that everybody, well, not everyone, there's a lot of ways to do it, but that's kind of the big name in, in that space is Docker. Word. So is this, do you know how long Docker has been around? Is this new or is this? Um... It's, it's new in the sense that it's a newer way of doing things. It's definitely like, I don't think that most people, even technologists have fully caught up with mm -hmm. this thing, but it's pretty old in the sense that it's a pretty mature technology sure. at this point. I think it's probably six years old. We're Gotcha. Which in technology terms is ancient. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially in web development. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that if I, I read that you can and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you can kind of be, you know, running you know, d different components of your application that might need different programming languages, and you can you can have different programming different languages inside of each container to kind of form a cohesive thing correct that's a very very good point yeah that's totally correct instead of you know trying to run a bunch of different things on a single computer and potentially like having bits conflict with each other right you can just isolate them out and then easily connect the parts that you need to connect with these we, it's it's like um it's kind of like working with like with mega blocks honestly like it, <laughs> it it condenses extremely complex configurations that i think it's probably important to to know and understand but but it condenses them into like really easy blocks that you just kind of put squish together and they just talk cool yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's an amazing thing. And, and it, I can't re, I can't like beleaguer the point that it gives you like once you've made this thing that you love and you want to you want everybody to use and it's super cool and you want everyone to know about it. It lets you be in control. Of the entirety of 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 the, of the system without having to worry about anybody's shenanigans and. <laughs> And to the to the point where you have, you know, the ability to down to the process on the server that you are running it on. It's it's really quite it's really quite astounding. And I feel late to the party, but I think that it's it's really changed the game because I can build containers of applications that not only that I make, but that I use all over the place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and suddenly things are so easy. And so. What I have been working on this past week is building a, uh, a, a, basically, we built a, a system using some really simple tools like Docker and something called Doku to make our own kind of, how do I say this? We've built a system where basically the developers just push code to it and it 
is built in the background mm-hmm. by these by these massive servers sitting in New York and it churns on the code spits out a docker container containing everything that that code needs to run automatically and then deploys it to like deploys the like if if the application builds and actually successfully is created it pushes it to the internet pushes it to the open internet overwrites the old version of it but the that old version is not deleted it's still there as its own separate container so if that if something does break we can we can immediately revert back to it right without any problem nice if there is a bug in the software which by the way <laughs> it happens <Yeah. laughs> bethesda fans and all of this happens without us having to touch a thing well, I have to touch it, but the developers <laughs> yeah, don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's magnificent. Cool. Very cool. That's awesome. So that's that's what you've been working or have you like just been kind of rolling it out for kind of what you're yeah, yeah. working out, working out the kinks, though, because our application has some uh, uniquenesses that you need to account for sure. just some, you know, raw tuning of like it's a little bit heavy in terms of resources. Mm -hmm. So you have to tune the web server to, uh, you know, have a, a a fatter buffer in memory so that it can hold more of the application at any one time. So you get that tweaked and then, you know, little, little bibs and bobs here and there. Uh, but once, uh, that's been sort of set up and also like automated, we're, kind of in in good shape nice very cool yeah it's a really it's a really fascinating uh exercise because basically this process has taught you know us to how to go from you know zero to a million users now if we get a million users that'd be great (laughs) but but the process is is you know this is how you do it this is how you do it right on well, cool, man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's you know, it's it's a long winded way of just <laughs> saying that we have figured out really cool ways of building software now. Yeah. <laughs> really, really cool ways of building images and pushing them around the Internet to make it easy for each other. And uh, it's just really it's really cool. It's really uh, a, a cool thing to be able to do and and see just how much less friction there is suddenly for people to you know create the thing that they're passionate about creating mm-hmm. it's a really cool cool thing it is cool right on so yep that's that's my job guys that's, job. that's what i do that's <laughs> crazy sauce yeah. crazy crazy sauce yeah admittedly i i don't have fun tech stuff <laughs> happening in the past couple of weeks it's actually been like it's been a pretty pretty analog focused uh couple of weeks for me <laughs> um well with a move coming up you know, yeah you're gonna be you gotta have your your eyes on the ground my yeah, friend. yeah this is true i have been doing a lot of brewing lately though which is kind of cool um of beer well of lots of stuff actually <laughs> um so 
I bottled my sizer, which for anyone who's curious, a sizer is a type of mead that uses um, uh, an apple juice, I think most commonly, but I really wanted to use fresh pressed apple cider. And so in the fall, I picked up a, a bunch of it and pretty much used the apple cider as my kind of quote unquote brewing water. Um and and then you know incorporated the honey into it and it's been a really cool experience because i've never made mead before but it's something that i've been threatening to do for a long time and it's uh so far so good um it's really hard to tell because um you you have to leave it alone for so long (laughs) um but uh it is bottled um it is it is in the bottle uh and it is just hanging out now there was there's a little more sediment than I want, wanted there to be. It doesn't have the clarity that I think, you know, a commercial mead might have. But honestly, I, I kind of like that haziness in in my in my kind of beer, especially. I love German wheat beers. I, I don't need it to be perfectly clear. Um, I kind of like that haze. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it is. But I, I did take a, a couple of samples uh, while I was bottling it and it tastes pretty darn good. So I'm. Uh, what does that taste like? What is that? What is, yeah. what is that? Give me a give me a, a little theater of the mind. Yeah, here. sure. So if you're I'll, I'll give you some. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of go through the, the, the whole thing here. So you uh, it pours kind of a, 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 a dull ruby uh, color. Um, so it's not it's not brown it's not it's not quite a vibrant red either it's kind of kind of in the middle and you it is a still mead and which means it's it's just not carbonated um and you when you take a sip it you i think you taste a little bit of the kind of tartness from uh the fermented apple cider I think that's what you what I at least that's mm. what I taste first. Uh, but immediately, because of what I what I did is I back sweetened it with and I'll explain what back sweetening is in a minute. Um, I back sweetened <laughs> it with um, that's not collecting the sweet of your back. No, no, no. Back, beer, that's friends. Ba- yeah. <laughs> back sweating. You know, it's ring it out. <laughs> totally different process. <laughs> nice, salty. Um, no, I'm sorry. Is that a hair? That's horrible. <laughs> that's, um, Wow. <laughs> the theater of the mind is on fire now. Thank you, Chris. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> no, so uh, uh, I back sweetened with, uh, it's called um, boiled cider. It's essentially apple cider that has been boiled down into a molasses type um, consistency or um, it's kind of like apple syrup almost. <laughs> it's it's really good. And I had never heard of it before, mm. but I was looking at creative ways to back sweeten without just using A, sugar, and B, honey, because, you know, if you just back sweeten with honey, you wind up just tasting honey uh, in the final product. And that's not necessarily what I was going for. So mm-hmm. so I found this I found this product that King Arthur makes, um, and it worked out absolutely perfectly. So back sweetening for anyone who's curious after you have finished fermenting a beverage um and you want to add some sweetness back to it so when you ferment something the yeast is eating all of or most of the sugar uh in in the liquid uh, whether it's beer or wine 
um, and you're you know you're left over with some residual sugar, but usually it eats out most of it depending on the alcohol tolerance of the yeast. And so if you do not account well for the tolerance of the yeast, you can wind up having a pretty dry uh, finished product. And so you might consider back sweetening to add some of that sweetness back so that it is not quite so dry. And in this case, that's what I wanted to do. You don't have to do that. There are plenty of meads that are, they drink like champagnes. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that's not what I was going for. And anyway, so I, I, when you're tasting it, I initially taste the, the kind of tartness of, of kind of fermented apple, um, which, you know, you, you is, is fairly common. Um, I still taste a fair amount of alcohol heat that will mellow out with time. And then, um, yeah. And then I just, with the back sweetening from the boiled cider, you really kind of get this nice kind of, yeah, fresh pressed apple cider flavor as well. But oh, that sounds great. I also did a little, uh, 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 spice. Um, so I, I just a very small amount of spice in a in like a hop bag which is like a cheesecloth type material um and let that sit in uh, uh secondary fermentation for a little bit and yeah so yeah you get this this just just a teensy tiny little bit of clove a little bit of cinnamon a little bit What's of the minimum cinnamon <laughs> that you use uh, uh cassia bark actually um which is a specific type of uh, cinnamon. Um, I love that you had an answer. I did, for that. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna answer, yeah. Um, and uh, and a little bit of nutmeg, but not too much. It's it's really really subtle. I didn't want it to be a spice bomb. I just wanted it to be just enough that um, that it's gonna taste really really amazing in the fall around Thanksgiving. Like this really nice, like a little bit of sweet, a little bit of tart. Um, sizer. Yeah, I think it's going to be a oh, good. Yeah, man, that sounds good. What yeah. does that hit my it, buttons yeah. and taste buds at the same <laughs> yeah, yeah, time? Yeah. I've got buttons on my mouth all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> some some people call them taste buds, but we call them buttons. Taste yeah. buttons. <laughs> it's taste buttons. So <laughs> that's what I just bottled a, a couple weeks ago, and then I have a, a what's called a show mead, just a one gallon batch, uh, which is just a traditional mead it's just water honey yeast like it's very very simple but i used a raw well you know what they say what do they say show mead the honey show mead the honey that's good no it's not (laughs) (laughs) it's not good at all uh, in fact welcome to the uh dad jokes podcast Oh my lord, don't get me started. <laughs> so I've got that going in a little one-gallon batch. In a few weeks, I'm going to start another one-gallon batch with orange blossom honey um, with uh, habanero. And it's going to be a, a really strong... I'm going to use a really high alcohol tolerance uh, yeast, so it's going to be a really strong orange blossom habanero mead. So it's going to get that sweet heat from the alcohol but also that heat from the uh, habanero oh my god that sounds amazing yeah. and then i'm gonna do a large batch i have all the ingredients i just have to do it um uh, what's called a braggot which is a mead beer hybrid it's a mix of 
malted barley like you and hops that you would be you know used to make a beer uh and then honey as well um so that that'll hopefully be bottled and ready to drink for next winter i think that's going to be a good like well around this time like <laughs> mid to late february early march you are so sick of winter holy crap i need to get through this and have this nice like sweet malty hoppy Oh my god, that Drink. sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh. And then I also have uh just a quick quick um Hefeweizen uh in primary fermentation that actually I need to switch to to the keg this weekend or or this week, um, which I'm hoping to bring some samples down for my vacation next month to North Carolina. That is a lot of bread. Yeah, no, I, I the the bug got me, man. It's like I I I kind of took a long hiatus and I was like, you know what, I really I really want to kick this into high gear. I'm feeling really inspired by all this, this mead brewing that I've been doing. Hey, and, um, wow. yeah, rolling. yeah. And I have, I kind of have a concept for all of them as well. There's a, there's a, there's a theme that kind of connects them all. And I don't know, it's, it's a fun project that I'm working on. I don't want to go too much into detail about that, but, um, um, you know, I've started working on some artwork for, for all of them. And yeah, so Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Wow. I see. I see what's what's going on here. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the big, big to do, big to do here. Um, just just kind of re- reconnecting with that hobby. So how many just, just give me an account. How many different beverages are on their way sure. at the moment? Sure. So actively in fermentation or bottled and ready to go three. Um, and then about 10 to 12 months, that's when the braggot will be done and bottled and ready to drink and hopefully mellowed out by then. Uh, the, the, the orange blossom habanero mead might need a little bit longer because I'm, I, I will be very judicious with the amount of heat. Uh, that will be supplied by the habanero. Um, but I imagine that's something that will need to a lot of time to mellow out. Wow. Yeah. Cray cray. Yeah. So a year from now, five, at least the, the current projects, <laughs> you know, that doesn't, that's doesn't amazing. include any other projects I'll work on. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I, this is one of my favorite hobbies, even if I don't participate in the creation of these things, because <laughs> yeah, then yeah, there's, yeah alcohol to drink to at drink, the end yeah, of it, yeah. to drink delicious <laughs> delicious things absolutely yeah it's exciting man and uh yeah i'm just uh, i'm just excited to yeah see see how it all goes because i can i feel a real i, I like I, I feel a real strong connection to the beer brewing i'm feeling a really strong connection to the mead making um i feel it a little bit more interesting yeah i i don't i don't know what it is there's something about it that um I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I just feel more connected to it in a way. That's uh, sometimes there need be no explanation. Yeah. You know, that's just a that hits your palate. Yeah. More correctly. Yeah. So that's that's what I got going on. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any uh, do you have any names or anything? Do you any like things you're willing to, to divulge? I do, and not at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, 
Okay. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. It's like, it's the kind of thing where, if it goes well, it might be kind of fun to make a small little business out of it. I think that's why I'm being a little tight lipped about it. Hmm. I think that's probably why. Cool. All right. I got gotcha. you. Well, I'll I'll ask you again. Cool. Yeah. No, we can talk about it in person. You guys can. You guys can. But we can. Invitation hear. only. SARS. <laughs> no. No SARS. Oh, sorry. Zars. <laughs> sorry, Zars. Sorry. Oh, Lord. We are the sorry Zars. The very sorry. <laughs> well, okay. That's probably that, huh? Yeah. I think we've been yapping for about an hour. I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, folks, really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, hopefully we'll we'll have much better content for you next week. Although, this has been fun. I've, I've enjoyed this. Um, and... Uh, we would love to hear from you, however, uh, if you would like to uh, let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover, have any general comments, or I guess if you have any complaints, you'll listen to those too. Would love, especially after this especially episode. Especially after this episode, if you'd love, or if you'd like, or I mean, if you love getting in contact with us, I have a Twitter. It is at Kaliali11. And I'm at Luxola. Uh, we have a joint Twitter account at Cast the Shine. We have an email, uh, hello at shinypodcast.com. We have a website, shinypodcast.com as well. And we would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next week.